0: Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jared, and uh, I want to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm the lead pastor here today as we begin 2016. I can't believe it's January again. It's just crazy how the years fly by, um, but I just wanted to, to say thank you for being here, and I'm excited for what God is going to do uh, at this church and in our lives and in my life and in your life this year. We are beginning. What I am very excited about is a brand new message series called Praying with Confidence. Pastor Jeff Leak at Allison Park Church, which is just north of here, uh, they are our parent church. They have planted us. They have invested resources in us. Pastor Jeff, their lead pastor, wrote a book called Praying with Confidence, which we just mentioned a few minutes ago. It is available to you at the uh, Connection Center this morning for $10 um, if you would like to pick it up. We're going to be following all throughout this month uh, through his book and this concept of learning to pray with confidence, and I think this is very t- timely because last year we spent the entire year focusing on how can we become closer to Jesus and become disciples. and But yet Jesus is like not physically here. He's not right next to me. So how do I communicate and, and, and understand a God that I can't see? Well, prayer is that mechanism. And so with that, many people have expressed to me and throughout the ages, how the heck am I supposed to do this thing with prayer? And Pastor Jeff leads a very large church. And in that church, he's heard over his years the same question. How do I even begin. So he wrote this book called Praying with Confidence. And so what we're going to cover over the next few weeks, I believe is going to be revolutionary to yours and to my life. If we can learn to pray with confidence based on what the Bible teaches about prayer, I think it's going to change everything for us. I think it's going to be a game changer. Um, A couple years ago, actually several years ago, I was a youth pastor at a church in Cincinnati uh, called the Milford Vineyard. Yeah, we've got a couple of those back there who were at that church with me. Um, One night, on a Wednesday night, I believe it was, there was a uh, a worship night and a prayer night, and we had a guest speaker who came in, and uh, at the end of the message, he, he said, is there anyone in the room... Who, who would like to be prayed for for a healing, like, a, like we want to pray for you and ask God to, to do a supernatural, miraculous work in your life. And there were some individuals who came up and he was praying for them. Well, there was one particular person. I was sitting about halfway back in the auditorium uh, running sound that day. Yeah. Shout out to our sound team, by the way. I used to be one of those guys, a special place in my heart. Love you guys. Anyway... So I was sitting back there, and this one girl walks up on the stage, and uh, I'm not sure exactly how she was made aware of it, because I think there was a sign language person. She turned out to be deaf. I don't know how long it was that she had, had heard. I don't know if she was deaf from birth or if it developed over time. But uh, at one point, so the, she comes up onto the stage, and the man decides to pray for her. So she's standing, if you can picture with me, she's just kind of standing here in the front of the stage with her eyes closed, and she can't hear anything. So I think she's just just sort of standing in faith that that this man who's praying that he's not praying something weird cuz she can't hear him. And I just I will never forget. This man is standing behind her praying, has his hands on her shoulders just praying something. And then he's done. So he finishes and he says, "Amen." And her, she's just sort of sitting there with her eyes closed because she can't hear anything. And all of a sudden, the man puts his hands right behind her ears and snaps her his fingers. And I will tell you, I have never forgotten this in my life. I saw this girl's eyes light up like I've never seen before. Because she heard a sound. For maybe the first time in her life, I'm not sure. But I tell you, I was sitting 100 feet back and I saw God do a supernatural answer to prayer in that moment in that church that day. It was incredible. And I'll tell you that as a young leader, it did two things for me. One, I thought, oh my gosh, that is amazing. Like I I saw an, an awe and a respect for the God of the universe who can do incredible things through prayer. And the second thing is I looked at that man and I said, that man right there knows God that person knows God and knows how to touch the heart of God. And and I just had a respect for that man. My respect level went up. Prayer is a powerful thing. And there's a quote that I want to read from Charles Spurgeon. He was a great preacher from the 1800s. And he said prayer is powerful because of this. This is what he said. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the hand of God Almighty. It is the slender nerve that moves the hand of God Almighty. When you pray, when we pray, we are asking God to move on our behalf, to move the hand of God on our behalf. But there's this tension. Oftentimes, we feel like, like prayer is this weird, sort of vague thing. We feel like it's mystical as versus the concept of tangible, right? We feel like, I don't really know how to do it. Is there a right way to do it? And I think that's the problem that we, that we get into. We feel like prayers are, ta- are, are not tangible. We feel like it's kind of vague and strange and mystical. And it almost feels like a wish, right? It almost feels like like making a wish. I'm not really sure if my, if my prayers are going to come true. Well, if you guys remember, when, when you're a kid, you're told that after you're on your birthday, you get all these presents, and then you have your birthday cake, and everybody sings to you, and what do they say? Before you blow out your candles, make a wish, right? So every kid closes their eyes, and they think for the biggest, best thing they could possibly think of. They go close their eyes, and they blow all their candles out, and if they're lucky, they blow them all out, and then what happens? The wish doesn't come true, Right? How many of you have been in that same circumstance where you wish for something and it didn't happen? That birthday wish thing is a scam right? The birthday wish scam. But I think most people kind of feel like prayer is sort of the same way. Like maybe it's like making a wish. I mean, I know that in my life I have prayed a lot of things and many of them didn't pan out or work out or the way I didn't receive the thing that I thought I was going to get. And I think most of us have been in the same boat and thus we kind of feel like prayer does feel like more like a wish than it does anything else. A lot of us, though, don't have confidence because of that in our prayer life, and so we don't really know how to pray, and maybe some of us have even given up on it because we're not even sure if it really makes much of a difference. But I think the reason, honestly, that most of us don't have confidence is because many of us don't know what prayer is and don't really know how we're supposed to do it and how effective prayer can be and what an effective prayer looks like. In the Bible, the Apostle John wrote the book of 1 John, and he wrote a letter to the early church, and he, in that letter, he described what effective prayer looked like and how to approach it. So let's take a look. If you have your Bibles, open it up to 1 John chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, open them up. If you've got a smartphone or a tablet, open up your Bible apps and take a look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. We'll also have the verse here on the screen. This is what John tells the Christians in the first century. He said, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. Confidence, right? It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, you got to come begging or you got to come humbly. He says this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we know first off, right off the bat, when we pray to God, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask for, we know that we have what we asked of him. So what we see in this verse is, first of all, that there is a confidence that comes to us that we know that God is listening when we speak to him. We need to have a confidence going in to God and knowing that he hears us. It also tells us that if you ask for what God already wants, that he'll not only hear you, but you're guaranteed to get that thing, right? It means that the Bible is telling us, and this is, this is where you're saying, "Jerry, wait a minute, guarantees. Let's see what Scripture says. It says, we have a confidence that we know that if we ask for what God already wants, then we are going to receive it, okay? So that's what it's telling us. It is important for us to understand, is a key element for us to understand to how to pray with confidence is asking for God's will, and you will always get an answer. This is so different than what so many people think about when we think about prayer. And so, so when we're talking about the concept of a wish, Our big idea of the day, we're going to start very early with the whole thing that's going to lay the foundation for this entire message. This is the big idea. If you're taking notes from your program, get it out and write this down. Prayer is not a wishing relationship, it is a working relationship. Prayer is not about wishing, it's not about blowing out the candles and hoping. Prayer is not a wishing relationship, it is a working one. It's a partnership. Okay, prayer is a partnership. It is not about getting God to do something that I want him to do. It's not about God using your prayers to get your your agenda done. It's about prayer is actually from a biblical perspective is actually about asking God to do what he wants to do in the world and using me to accomplish it. That's the concept of what prayer is. It's about God using your prayers to get done in the world what he wants to get done. And I can tell you and I promise you that God wants to use you. God wants to see change happen in your life. God wants wonderful things to happen in your family, in your finances, with your friends, at work, with the people on your block, with the strangers you don't even know. He wants good things for all of these people. We just have to be willing to ask what he wants in those circumstances. But real quickly, there is a little bit of a broader perspective to consider. There are actually two Purposes for prayer, and one of them is where we 're kind of going to guide through the rest of this series. The first one, though is very simple it 's about connection with God, okay so in one sense, prayer is really just about connecting with a God who loves us he 's personal God God has created a space for us to be able to talk back and forth to be able to share what 's going on and that 's the good thing. I want everybody to know this no matter what we say throughout this entire series, the concept of prayer begins first and foremost with connection with God. If you're feeling alone, you can talk to God. If you're on your way to work and you're stuck in a traffic jam, you can start talking to God. If you're lonely or frustrated, you can say that to him. There is nothing that you can say to God that is going to shock him or surprise him at any moment, at any time in your life. You can talk to him and he will be there to hear you. It's beautiful. The starting point for all of prayer is a connection with God. But the second person, per- purpose for prayer is what we call intercession, right? And that's a fancy Christian word, intercession. And what it is is it's not just about connection at this point. But now what we're doing is we're saying, God, there are things going on in the world all around me in my personal life, in my, my family life, in my work life, at church, in my community. There are things that are happening that are not right, things that need help, things that need assistance. And when we go to God in intercession, intercessory prayer, what we're saying is, is that I am willing to be the go-between between heaven and earth to make this thing happen, okay? That's the concept of intercessory prayer. When we go to God, and every one of you who have ever asked, so raise your hand if you've ever asked God for anything, Every, every single hand should be up in the air. <laughs> I'm sure everybody. You have done intercessory prayer. What you're saying is, is God, I need this thing. Would you please release it from heaven to be on earth, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus told his disciples in, in, uh, in Matthew when he was talking about the Lord's prayer. He was saying, your will in heaven be done on earth. And that's what prayer, intercessory prayer is. It's saying, I'm, I'm asking God to make me the go-between between what's in heaven, which is perfect and great, and God's will is always accomplished, and bringing some of that to earth to be accomplished here. So we are trying to intercede on behalf to bring heaven to what is needed on earth. So, praying with confidence, this series that we're in is really all about intercessory prayer. It's about learning to be the go between between heaven and your children. It's about accessing what's in heaven and bringing it down to earth for people who are in need in your own life and in your communities. It's about seeing the power of God released in your circumstances in situations that seem like they will never change. This is the concept of intercessory prayer. And so, as we talk about it today, what we're really talking about, the first part of this concept of praying with confidence, is how can I pray more effectively? how can I pray more effectively? Most of us pray even if it's literally just, God, get me out of this problem, right? Which is probably the most common prayer that most people say or, oh God, what am I gonna do, right? Like these are the common prayers and even if they're unintentional, God still hears them. That's the beauty of it, right? But if we want to intentionally pray with confidence and pray more effectively, there are four concepts I think that we really need to wrap our heads around. And the first one is this. Prayer is more about agreeing with God than it is about asking. It's more about agreeing with God than it is about asking. Because we typically think of prayer as asking. We usually come to God with a list. We sort of like a Santa Claus list, but instead we call him God. And we say... Okay, God, hey, how you doing today, if we say that. And then we usually just launch right into, oh, my gosh, my, my sister's got this, and my wife has got this, and I can't do this at work, and, and I need this, and it would be great if you could give me some more money for this. And, right, we come with this sort of list of things, expecting God like a genie or like a Santa Claus. But here's the deal. When we start off with the concept of asking for something that we want, what we're really doing is we are setting the agenda, Right? We're not agreeing with anything. We're asking. But when we go to God and say, God, what is it you want to do in my life? I have all of these things that are going on. What is it you want to do about them? We're now saying, God, I'm trying to set your agenda in my life. And there's a difference. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, we talked about this a second ago. I mentioned it. This is Jesus talking about how we should pray. And he literally starts it off by saying, pray like this right? It's on the screen here, I think on the next page. It says, pray like this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see how many yours are in this sentence? Your, your, your. What Jesus was saying with is that everything we do When we pray, if we begin with the concept of that we're trying to agree with what God already wants to do, we are much more likely to receive that because he is big, he is great, he is wise. What do you want, God? What may, may it be done in my life? But Why? Why? Why, not just, why doesn't God just do what he wants anyway? Why do I have to be in the agreement of this? Why do I have to partner with God? I mean, have you ever wondered that? When you read this question, why read this, this passage of Scripture, why is it important that I am in this equation? Well, the reason, I guess, really is because in Scripture what we see the most is that God chooses to partner. For whatever reason, his primary means of affecting our world is involving other people to do it. That's always the way that it is. You look in Scripture, and God could do amazing things. And sometimes he has done wonderfully, incredibly miraculous things in Scripture, but most of the time he has partnered with people on earth to show them what he is like. And I think if I were to make a guess, I would say it's probably because we are much more easily identifiable as people than a a God that we can't see. So he sends somebody like you and I to help and partner in his work because when other people come in contact with it, it's something that we can understand. Our minds can understand it. We see a person being used by God. Our obedience and our agreement in prayer releases the will and the blessing of God. We've talked about this last year in our, in our uh, Blessed Life series, this concept of, of that when we align ourselves with God's plan for our lives, with his purpose, with his design for our lives, that we then fall under the blessing of God in our lives. His favor goes before us. It's the same thing with prayer. When we say, God, what is it you want in my life? I'm coming to you because you are great and powerful and you can see way down the road, a lot farther than I can, the things that you want for my life, I agree with that. We are now stepping under in alignment with his plan, his will, and then blessing and power is released and flows in that. There's an example of this in the Bible. In Luke chapter 1, verses 37 and 38, we see angel, the angel Gabriel. We talked last month about how angel, uh, Gabriel shows up to Mary. Mary's this teenage girl who's, who's about to marry a man named Joseph, and she's about to start her own life, and he was going to be a carpenter, and they were going to have a nice life together. And then this angel shows up and says, Mary, you have been chosen by God to be the one who's going to carry a man, a baby who's going to grow up to become a man, to be the Messiah, the Savior of all the world. And in that moment, Mary could have been freaked out. She could have been upset or angry. Why me? But what happens is that she says to him, but how the heck is that going to happen? I've never even been with a man. Like Mary had never slept with anybody. And then the angel says this in verse 37, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. Impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. So stop there, first of all. That's pretty awesome. Nothing is impossible for God, and anything he speaks carries with it so much power that it cannot possibly ever not be fulfilled. But here's the key, verse 38. Then Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be done according to your word. So here's the thing that's under, important for us to understand that, it, that prayer is more about agreement than it is about asking. Every prayer in agreement with God's will is like a, uh, and, and with his word is like a seed that's planted in the ground. And it grows and it grows and eventually becomes a powerful tree or a powerful plant that gives life and gives fruit. Every time we say, God, I believe in the promise that you have set forward and you agree with it, you say, may that be true in my life. That promise is like a seed that gets planted in our heart. And in due time, it will grow. The same thing happened with Mary. Nine months later, after she had agreed, she got this message from the angel. The angel says, you're going to have a baby. And then she says, well, how's that going to happen? Nothing is impossible with God. She says, okay, let it be so. That's what amen means, right? Amen. Yes, let it be done. Let it be so. And so she agrees with what the angel said about God's word happening. Nine months later, a baby is born who would become the savior of the world. And this is really what prayer is all about. It's about mixing your faith with the word of God. And that releases the power of God in your world. And even though it's not visible yet, there is a development that takes place inside of our hearts, inside of our lives, that has to really take place before it can finally become visible. Become visible. Your prayers, my prayers, your agreement releases the miracle power of God to do the impossible. So prayer, the first step of understanding about, about effective prayer is that it's more about agreeing with God what he says already than it is about what I'm asking for. But the second thing is this. It's not about overcoming God's reluctance. It's actually tapping into his willingness. See, there are two misconceptions or two concepts about God. The first is a misconception that, that God is distant, that he plays favorites, that he's busy, that somehow you have to flag him down. Hey, God, hey, God, can you see little old me? over here. And people who pray like that, their prayers, it's about getting God to do something he really doesn't want to do in the first place. I mean, how many of you think that way? I don't need a show of hands. But maybe that resonates with you. Maybe you're saying, wow, that is how I've been praying in my life. I have been taught, perhaps, in a church that you grew up in, or maybe somehow in your life, you have come to this place where you, you thought, God is there, but I feel like he's so far away that he's probably not going to hear my voice. He's not going to hear my prayers. And so ha- somehow your prayers have become, if I pray, that it somehow has to be me kind of yanking his, his chain or his, his leg to get him to do something he really doesn't want to do in the first place. But that is not the picture that we see of God from the Bible. God's word teaches that he is personal. That he is aware of your life, that he knows every hair on your head, that you are, that that everything about you, he knows every intimate secret. There are pictures and stories in Jeremiah about how he knew you when he was weaving you together in the womb. I mean, God paints pictures in the Bible all the time, telling us that he knows us intimately. He is aware of what we need and what we struggle with, and he loves us. He is actively working on your and my behalf for good things. He is setting things up even when you're not paying attention, even when you're not praying, even when you're in sin and when you're in disobedience. The Bible paints a picture that God is always working on your behalf even if you're not paying attention. And so the concept of prayer then, if it's about agreement, and if it's about tapping into God's willingness that he already wants to do things, prayer now becomes, it unlocks that which God is already trying to accomplish in your life. You see, we're not asking God to do something he's not already thinking about. It's not like he's sitting there on the couch watching TV, and all of a sudden the phone rings, Hey God, it's Jared. Yeah, Jared, I'm watching How I Met Your Mother. Well, God, I was wondering if you could go to the store and buy me some milk because I'm kind of out of milk. Well, all right, fine. No, no, no. What's happening is that God has already bought the milk. He's put it on the, on the counter over here, and he's waiting for me to call and say, God, if you have milk, can I have some? There's a difference. I'm already tapping into the willingness of what God has already setting in motion. Okay? God, and his will may be different than ours. This is an important piece for us to understand that, that when we pray, When we pray in agreement, we obviously might make this understanding that, that perhaps the thing that God wants for my life might be a little bit different than what I wanted for mine. I have heard countless stories of people who have told me that, 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 that they were asking God for something and they thought they were walking a certain direction and then, and then for whatever reason it didn't work out and they ended up over here instead. And now looking back, they say, it's so clear that this is what God wanted for me and for my family. Sometimes, for whatever reason, God has different plans and different agendas than we have for ourselves. Even Mary. I mean, Mary didn't think that her life was going to turn out the way that it did. But God saw far-reaching effects greater than she could have ever thought. And her agreement and tapping into what God was already willing to do in that moment created a new path for her and then a path of greatness that actually changed the rest of the world. God is not reluctant. God is willing, and he wants each of us to be able to tap into that. He is just wiser than we are and so if we agree with what he's trying to do in our life, our prayers will be much more effective because we are agreeing with him and we're tapping into something he's already willing to do. So then the question really becomes then, because I hear this all the time, well, then how the heck am I ever supposed to know what the will of God is for my life? I mean, that's, that's the, the easy part is for us to say, well, I can pray God's will, but how do I know what God's will is for my life? Well, the easy answer is, is this book right here. This book here is called A Bible. If you don't have one, I encourage you to buy one. If you have a smartphone or a tablet, I encourage you to go to the App Store and get the YouVersion Bible app. That way you have a Bible. The reason I mention this is because the Word of God contains the idea of God's will. Everything that God wanted to share about His person, about who He is, about what God is like, about what He thinks, what His design is for all of humanity, for how we should act, the best plan for each of our lives, the concepts are in here. If you want to know what God's will is, we should live our lives according to what this book teaches. Not saying in the sense in an literal sense, so like if it talks about, you know, skinning certain animals or things like that, but we're talking in general about the principles right now, okay? This book outlines what God is like, and it helps us to understand what his will or desire or plan is for all of humanity. So the more that we read that book, the more that we study the Bible, the more we will begin to understand God's will for our lives. When you understand what, how God created human beings to operate, how we should treat each other, well, that's obviously his will for your life. When you begin to operate and make decisions in your life based on the principles you see in God's word, well, now your, life is, your behaviors are going to start changing and his will is going to start operating. And you're going to see his plan and his power released into your life. Again, we talked about this, excuse me, this same concept in the blessed life. And when you pray the word of God, so this is the next step. So it's not only reading God's word, but then also saying, okay, I see what you said here. This is a promise. This is a, a, a foundation or a principle in your word. Now I'm going to take that into my prayer life. So I'm going to take a passage of scripture. For example, Psalm 23. I was in the, in the bathroom today, and for some reason, uh, it said, though I walk through the valley of death, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Now, that was David writing a poem or a song about a time that he was going through. But that is a promise, and that is something that I can stand on. So I'm sitting there in the bathroom, and for some reason, it felt like something that was for me in that moment, so I started singing it myself, and it becomes a prayer of my own. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, I will fear no evil because you are with me. That is a prayer that I am saying to him, a declaration to him, and that's the concept of praying God's word. If you get to a place where you study God's word and you understand the principles in it and how they apply to your life, and then you start praying those things, declaring them about your life, that is now the concept of praying God's will for your life. Second Peter three nine says this: The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No. He is patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So this is an example of God's will. What is God's will? The Bible tells us that God's will is for everyone to repent. God wants all people to come to the knowledge of his son Jesus and to be saved and to be free. Have you ever had, maybe some of you, myself included, have family members or, or uh, people that you're close to who are who are broken or, or hurting, who are living destructive patterns in their lives? Well, when you pray this verse of Scripture, God, I pray for my sister so-and-so or my brother so-and-so or I pray for this person that they would, would find healing and that they would come to a knowledge of you The Bible tells us that because I'm praying that, that God already wants that, right? So now you and God are on the same page. You and him are aligned. So it's now a promise that's ready to be released, except your brother or your sister still aren't, you know, coming to that place. Why? Because they have to also agree for that in their life too. So that's why when we pray for things... That even though we're praying for something that we know God wants, if the person or the people or somehow that situation is not aligned in an agreement with God's word in that situation, that's why sometimes things don't happen in that case. But you see, when we pray God's will, we know that we're doing our part. When we read something in Scripture that says that God wants this to happen and we align ourselves in agreement with that thing, then now we position it for it ready to be tilted and poured out uh, from heaven onto earth. But if it involves other people, we have to also pray that those people would then come to a place where they want the same thing. So from Scripture, we know that there are hundreds and hundreds of promises just like that one in the Bible. In fact, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, and like I said, there are hundreds of them, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now that sounds really weird. What does that even mean? What we're saying is, is that Jesus Christ on the cross, when he died, he gave his life for us. When he shed his blood as a sacrifice for all of us to cover our sin, he ratified God's will for all the promises that have happened in the Bible for us. He, what he accomplished on the cross means that it is now yes. So every promise in God's word, because we are now part of God's family, we are now included in that, and every promise that God has made in Scripture is a yes to each of us. And so when we come back and then we say, I agree with that, when we say amen to that, when we say yes to that, when we say, so say we all to that, what we're saying is, God, I need you to do what you said you're already going to do. Your prayer, my prayer, our prayer together is tapping into God's willingness. It's about his willingness. It's about agreeing with something he's already willing to do. The third thing is it's about praying God's promises not out of hopes, but out of an inheritance. Do you guys realize that we are God's children? The Bible tells us that something happens to each of us when we when we say yes to Jesus. The first time that we come to a relationship and we say, God, I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross for me and that he took my place and that his, his, his sacrifice covers me, that I'm forgiven, right? When we say, I want to follow you, Jesus, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8:16 that what happens is the holy spirit comes in and actually testifies on our behalf that we are now that we are now god's children so think of this word testify right what we think of is in a courtroom the enemy, Satan, is known as the accuser, okay? So think of someone who is accusing you that you're a liar, that you're a cheater, that you steal, that you are a whatever, all these things that have been in your past. The things that you are held back on, the things that, that are always telling you about your identity, right? The enemy is lying to you and accusing you of these things. And the Bible says in Romans eight sixteen that the Holy Spirit is testifying on your behalf that you are covered and you are innocent of those crimes, that's what's beautiful about the gospel message of Jesus. And what that means is that we are a part of his family. Romans 8.16 says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm, to testify that we are God's children. It goes on and says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. And so what that means is, because you're an heir, that you also will receive an inheritance. We have an inheritance. So we don't go to God as beggars. We come to him as children of God. Imagine if somebody knocked on your door, knock, 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 and they handed you an envelope. And inside of it was a check for a billion dollars from a long-lost uncle. You know, because you are a part of his family, you now receive inheritance, right? I mean, that would be a wonderful moment. You're not going to question that. You're going to say, that's incredible. I didn't even know I had this uncle. But you receive something because you are a part of a family. The same thing is true in the relationship with God. The Bible tells us that when we follow Jesus, when we have that, make the decision that something happens inside of us, his spirit comes and lives inside of us, and it seals us, and it calls us a member of his family. And thus, we receive an inheritance from God. All of the money in the world, billions and billions of dollars, cannot compare to the promises that have been made to us in Scripture from the God of the universe who created every living thing and who created all things that we know of. Every system, every economic system, every financial system, everything that we see in this planet exists because of God's word. So even if we could get a check for a billion dollars in the mail, I would rather have God's promises fulfilled in my life, which could include a check for a billion dollars in my life. Does that make sense? When we tap into what God wants for us. And here's the deal, though, because of that, heaven is now ours. So when we think of Jesus, when we think of Jesus saying in that prayer, pray like this Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, as children of God, are now calling down the promises of heaven into life, into earth here. We now become the the go-betweens, the intercessors. We become the ambassadors of God, the carriers of good things for our lives and for other people. It's an inheritance that is something that is a right to ours. The Bible tells us that we can go confidently, boldly to his throne. And so what we do is we need to come to God instead saying, God, I know who I am. I don't deserve this, but Jesus has cleansed me. I am your child now. I belong here. You know, you can say that to him. I praise you for that. He caused me to be a part of his family. And I now come boldly and confidently because I am a child of the most high God. When you come to that, there is power that comes from that because because we're not coming begging for crumbs on the table of the king. No, he welcomes his kids, you know, He welcomes us and he says, come to me. I want to give good things to you. I wish that we could grab a hold of this as people. I wish that, I hope that this year we can grab that. That I am a child of God. You are a son or a daughter of a king who loves you, who has great things for you. And finally, because we are heirs and because we have the right to ask, it is less about making requests and more about making declarations more about making declarations. For example, I pray, God, I know that your word says that you want my children to be mighty. Psalm 112 talks a lot about that. And so when I pray Psalm 112 over my children, what I'm saying is, God, I know you want good things for my kids. I know that you said that you want my children to know you, to be raised in your will and your plan and your power, that you have plans for them. When I pray Psalm 112 over my children, I am aiming and I am directing the will of God, which he has already said yes to. I am agreeing with that thing over the life of my kids. And I am now beginning to see this take place in my kids. My daughter, Autumn, goes to the 220 at Allison Park Church. She's on the worship team there now. She's on the leadership team there now. And it's incredible watching my 13-year-old daughter grow up in God and seeing good things happen in her. I'm seeing the same thing with my son. When I pray over this, and one day, my kids, hopefully a long time from now, will have children of their own. And when that happens, I have more to pray for. Now I pray Psalm 112 over my kids and, their, and my grandkids. And then I pray the same thing for them so that they would grow up in the knowledge of who God is. This is an example of me declaring something from God's word as a child of God in the principles of what he has said. And I agree with it and I aim it down into my life. You guys understand that? Does that make sense, this concept of praying that way? It's about declaring It's not about begging for crumbs. It's about saying, God, these are your promises, and I believe in them. When we agree with what God wants, how do I know what God wants? I know he is willing. I read his word. I find his promises. Because I am a child of God, I have an inheritance. Because I have that inheritance, it means I have a right to it. And when I have a right to it, I can declare it true, because that's what he tells us that we can do. It's amazing, and so what I'm going to say is, God, here are the promises you have made toward me and toward my kids. I'm going to trust that you apply it in your timing and in your mechanism, because that doesn't mean, my parents did the same thing for me, and I went my own way for a while. I did a lot of things that I wish I hadn't done, and my parents went through a lot of heartache for it, but they never stopped believing in the promises of God. We have this plaque on our wall. It says "Lanza's" because that's who we are, and then it says, and it says, train a child It says, train a child in the way that he should go. When he is old, he will not turn from it. I think another one also says, um, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. These are promises, declarations that my family has made. And they always hold on to those things. And then we came back. And my mom just this weekend over New Year said, I get teared up every time I see all three of my kids on stage at a church or serving the Lord. See, they, they, they believed that God was going to do what he said he would do. They agreed with it. They aligned their prayers with God's word. And then they believed in God's timing and his mechanism for it. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They didn't know when it was going to happen. But they knew, and they knew that they knew, that God's promises would come true. So I want to kind of illustrate this as we kind of wrap up today. There's a, this kind of concept of a check illustration. We read that scripture. Let me read it one more time. I want to read it to you. It says this. Okay. For no matter how many promises God has made, this is 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. Now, what does this mean? Because it's like, I'm not sure I fully understand it. Let's look at a check. There's an image of a blank check on the screen here, okay? The image of this check is going to get filled in. First, the pay to the order amount here means every disciple of Jesus, every follower of Jesus who this check is made out to. So Jesus, what God is saying here is every promise of God is yes in Christ and is the amen from us, right? So the check is made out to every follower of Christ, and the payment amount is all God's promises. So every single one of God's promises are made out to you and me as followers of Jesus Christ. Okay? So so imagine that the Father is handing us this check. Someone knocked on your door and said, Because you are a child of God, I've made a check out to you, and every promise that I have made in Scripture is yours. Okay, Now, that check has two signature lines on it. The first one is signed by Jesus because that's what the Scripture says. All of God's promises are yes in Christ. So every single promise that Jesus has made or that God has made to us has been signed by Jesus' blood on the cross. It has been ratified. His will will be done because the Bible says that God gets what he wants because Jesus did what he did on the cross and it is yes. So it's made out to every one of us. Right, Every promise is our inheritance. It's been signed by Jesus, but the second line has to be signed by us. We have to agree to it. Just like here in our church when we have check signings, for when we have our board will be set up, there will be two check signers. You can't have one person. It takes an agreement. The same thing is concept, concept here. God's Word teaches us that in order to receive God's promises, Jesus signed it saying, yes, Father, I want what you want. And then the same is true of us. Now, when we're done with this check, we can't just take it to the bank and cash it, because if we did, we'd probably spend it, we'd splurge it, we'd mess it up ourselves, right? If you got a billion dollars, we'd probably blow it in the first two weeks, buying houses all over the place, maybe buying, like, Palm Tree Islands in, like, Dubai or something. But God is wiser, right? So we, talk about this, we talked about this earlier, that we sometimes don't get the things that we want. So whatever that promise is that we find in God's Word, whatever it is that we see in God's Word, we, we want it. We agree with it. We sign the check. Jesus has signed the check. We hand it back to the Father and say, God, now in your timing, in your plan to release it, in your mechanism, release this promise in my life. So our prayer should now be, God, I know who I am. I believe that this promise is for me. I agree with you. May this be released in my life. I'm putting it back in the hands of you, Father, and trusting your timing and your release. This is really the true posture of intercessory prayer. And it is the building block for confident, effective prayer. So here's what we're going to do as a church family. We're going to close right here. All throughout January, in fact, we've begun it. We're doing this 31 days of prayer. And I talked about Pastor Jeff wrote this book called Praying with Confidence. I encourage you to buy it. The first, like, 20 pages is the book itself. It's, like, very short. And the rest of it is 31 days of prayer declarations. So I encourage you to buy that and to go through that. What we're going to be doing is we're going to take... 31 days of prayer, and I've already started on Friday each day. I'm putting a, one of the declarations on the Facebook page, so if you can't um, you know, buy the book or don't want to buy the book, that's okay. If you guys open your program, you'll see that on the back side of the notes page, there is seven days' worth of prayer declarations there for you that we've already begun. So today is day three, so you would start with today if you haven't started already and just go through, and next week we'll provide the next set for a week, okay? So what we're asking each of you to do is to is to declare with us each day one of these things and they just start it just it's just it's just a scripture from god's word as a principle that's taught in god's word and then you're just praying that so that's what we're doing we're saying god your word says this is true i agree with it may it be done in my life in your timing that's what we're doing with these declarations you have them in your in your sheets there and also what we're going to be doing is each week each wednesday this this month we'll be fasting So I encourage you this week if you want to join us. And fasting is nothing more than just saying, okay, God, I'm going to say no to myself so that I can say yes to you in a specific time period of time. There's nothing magical about it, but there is something supernatural that takes place in our hearts. God honors it. That's what happens. So so this Wednesday, so Tuesday night after dinner, uh, I would encourage you to join me on this Tuesday night after dinner. Just stop eating, no snacks or anything. Wake up the next morning, don't eat breakfast, don't eat lunch, and then you can eat dinner again Wednesday night. That's the idea, okay? And I encourage you to at least try it. Just try it, okay? And if you've never done this before, just you can talk to me about it. I'm just, I just want to encourage you to try it. But let me just say this last caveat as I close. If you... I have done fasts before or with churches and things like this. If your heart is not in the right place, if you hear me say, let's fast and let's pray together, and you're in a place of like, and you buck against it, you don't want to do it, and your heart's not in the right place, don't. Please do not, because you will end up miserable. I tell you, I have seen this happen even in my own life. If you are not in the right place of where you feel like you hear, some of you are hearing me and you're going, yeah, okay, I'll try that. Something in your spirit is saying, God is pulling me to this, or I want to try this. If that's you, do it. God will meet you there. But if you're in that place where we're like, oh, why does Pastor Jared have to, uh, you know, if that's you, do not, do not join us in this, in this specific element because it will, you will be doing it for the wrong reasons and, you, and God won't be able to do what he wants in your life. You hear me on this? So I just encourage you, let's all pray together. We're, gonna, we're just going to respond very quickly in, in prayer and then we're going to uh, take communion together and we'll close out service.